0: What's everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast. Happy Monday. I'm Will Brinton. I'm your host. This is the daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. Comes out every morning, Monday through Friday. We're doing a little bit of migration stuff on the back end. So if you notice, if you don't, if you don't notice any changes, don't worry about it. If you notice it's showing up late in your feed or something like that or you're not getting it, uh, tweet me at Will Brinton or you can tweet the podcast at Pick Six Pod. You can tweet the gentlemen who are joining me to recap week eight. At their various handles, at Sean J. Wagner for Sean Wagner-McGuff, at John Breach for John Breach, and at Ryan Wilson CBS for the newly checkmarked Mr. Wilson (laughs) draft expert and man with a Twitter handle plan. And fan of the first place Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: That's right. Remember, uh, this is week eight. Remember back in weeks one through four, you guys were clowning me every week on this podcast? Yeah, it was awesome. I stood, I stood firm, took it like a man. And now what's up?
2: You literally hid in a hotel room and we had to track you down. <laughs> you didn't take it like a man using grand. the
1: GPS chip that we implanted in your car. Just so we're clear that that was the, the, uh, Sunday night after the Steelers miraculous win in Cincinnati. Let's not forget that.
3: Indeed,
0: it was. All right, let's dive in. I was trying to give Ryan a segue to talk about the Steelers. Didn't want to do it. That's fine. Uh, Of course,
1: I did. Let's talk about it. No, no, we're talking
0: about somebody else first. We're talking about (laughs) Jameis Winston first, and let Sean peacock around because Sean hates Jameis Winston with a passion. He's been blasting him. Sean's like Sean's like giddy about getting like trolling FSU Twitter. So he's been blasting Jameis Winston for years years just annihilating him, and now his dream has come true. Jameis Winston benched in the middle of Tampa's near comeback against the Bengals for Ryan Fitzpatrick. John Breach looking annoyed that he doesn't get to talk about the Bengals' win. Um, Sean, bash Jameis who lost 34-37 to 37 to the Bengals.
2: Yeah, I'll leave the, the Bengals stuff to Breach. I don't have anything to say about that because, frankly, you're playing against a quarterback who's handing out turnovers like candy on Halloween – there's not much to say about the team, just taking advantage of the free interceptions. What a, Look, what a, what a I,
0: topical joke. Very nice topical joke there. It's very
2: good. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, you guys are being really nice me tonight. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'll just say this. Look, I don't hate Jameis Winston. Um, well, you know, I don't like Jameis Winston. I'll, I'll say that, actually. Um, what I'll say is that the stats speak for themselves. So he's now played in 49 career games. He has 54 interceptions, and he's fumbled 35 times. Like, I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I think you're just going to get these stretches with him all the time where there's going to be games where he looks phenomenal, he has great games, and then there's going to be absolute stinkers like today, and it's up to the Bucks if they think that's okay. I mean, he's going to have a long career because he's always going to have that that skill set and that talent level, and someone's always going to think, like, uh, we can get the most out of him. But his decision-making has not improved. At any level, I think throughout college to now, he's always had this problem. And so I think we kind of know what Jameis Winston is right now. And it's going to be interesting to see, A, how the Bucks handle the short-term quarterback dilemma if they go back to Fitzpatrick. I know they're not good, but they're three and four. They're not out of the NFC playoff picture, technically. And then, B, what do they do at the end of the year? If they stumble, they're going to have a high draft pick. And, you know, Ryan, our draft expert here, can tell us about who they could pick in the draft. But I think there's a chance that they – just give up on Jameis. Look, and he has off the field issues too. This I I don't know why the Bucks would stick with him. I'll say that. I think he's shown what he is. He's not worth that next contract.
0: I think the thing with Jameis is that you can't like The problem they're going to run into right now is they have a fifth-year option for twenty-one million dollars that's guaranteed for injury, and if they keep playing him and he keeps doing stupid stuff and he and he gets hurt, they're going to owe him twenty-one million dollars whether he's you know like regardless next year. And so it's sort of that Robert Griffin the third thing that the the Redskins ran into. I mean, I think at this point, like, you lose your locker room if you keep playing Jameis because he's been bad. Um, Deshaun Jackson requested a trade. Mike Evans is turned into a wide receiver, too, when Jameis is in there and, instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I, I just think that you have to go with Fitzmagic, and you kind of have to cut ties with Jameis after this season. And maybe, Wait a
1: second, let, let me ask you this. Is this worse than what we were talking about last year with Blake Bortles and his fifth-year option and all the money they were going to have to pay him? Given the way he had played up to that point, because it's, we were having similar conversations,
0: it's the same thing. They both stink. They're both turnover machines who aren't accurate. And I mean, like, I think I think the Bortles could, if you put him in like the Jameis Winston system and gave him that kind of volume, he could put up the stats that Jameis Winston puts up. I didn't
1: know he, no, he could.
2: Also, I think one key difference here is that the Bucks are going to probably have a high draft pick, whereas the Jaguars were good enough even with Bortles that uh, they weren't in the position last year to take a top ten quarterback. But and JLC, the Bucks can do that this year.
1: Jason Lockenford tweeted this on Sunday night, retweeted it. We talked about this before, I think. I know he wrote about it. The Jaguars are very interested in Kirk Cousins. They just didn't want to pay him once they found out what that price tag was going to be. And they were also interested in Teddy Bridgewater, which is Saints got for a third-round pick. So clearly they're not 100% sold on Blake. They weren't last year, even after he played pretty well in playoffs. But um, they gave him three years, $54 million. I'm guessing because that was the last option. I don't know why. I feel like you pay Kirk Cousins if you're trying to upgrade your quarterback situation. and You have this close, uh, this tight window with the players you have on that team that are now revolting against each other, or even. Get, I mean, who doesn't give a third round pick for Teddy Bridgewater? I know there are concerns about his knee, but what's the downside to that?
2: Are you saying the Bucks should trade for Bridgewater? Or
1: I'm talking about the Jaguars last year. I think the Buccaneers. You roll with Fitzmagic. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston either. I don't necessarily disagree with Brunson. I was just wondering how he compared to. Blake Bortles last year where we were having the same conversation. They're both terrible quarterbacks.
3: I might keep my talking to a minute real quick because I I have basically lost my voice because I haven't slept in 48 hours. But here on Jameis Winston, uh, I think the one thing you have to keep in mind here is that Jason Lick, the general manager, made that pick. And if you give up on Jameis, uh, that's you, the general manager, saying, yeah, I'm a total failure. I blew it when we had the number one overall pick. Go ahead and fire me. It's basically asking to lose your job if you get rid of Jameis. So I think that's kind of the one thing hanging over their head. So uh, if, if Dirk Etter says, hey, we're going to bench him, I think that kind of puts the coach at odds with the general manager. And then where do you go from there? Because then those two guys, one of them has to split. And then we're just start blowing everything up and starting at square one with uh, Ryan Fitzmagic. No, that's a good hey. point. It's, it's Jason Light, by the way. Uh, but – it does read like lick it's, my, it's my frog. It's fine. I can't talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You ate a frog for lunch. It's um, an ed corn anyway.
1: Don't worry. About
0: no, it. I mean I think like it, it basically comes down to yeah, ed corn. Do, do the bucks blow up? Do, do the glazer if the glazer family comes in and blows everything up? Like they, they either gotta do one of two things. Either they gotta let, they gotta let the front office keep trying with Jameis and maybe fire Dirk Cutter and go in a different direction, or blow the whole thing up and I wouldn't be surprised if they opted for the latter because I mean Mike Evans is a good player they got Ronald Jones who hadn't looked very good as a high draft pick um you know they have these this talent on the defensive line uh but I mean by and large this team's not great
1: hey Brent let me point this out quickly though so we're crushing Jameis and understandably so given that he lost to a terrible Bengals team I'm kidding about that. I actually think that Bengals was pretty good. But look, three quarterbacks. Jameis Wentz is actually ranked 14th in terms of value per play according to football outsiders coming into this week. Middle of the road, and that's actually, I think they would accept that at this point. But Blake Bortles is 25th coming into this week. He played okay today. He wasn't great. Your boy Eli Manny is 24th. So I'm like, those are three terrible quarterbacks, but Jameis <laughs> isn't as terrible as the, the terrible, the terriblest of the, of the bunch to make up a word. And I don't know if the Jaguars or Eagles or uh, – excuse me, the Giants are magically better with Jameis. I feel like those teams are still terrible. But maybe he's not as bad as we're making him out to be based on Sean's favorite game today. The, before, so. No, I,
2: I was saying like I don't think this game makes him a bad quarterback. I just think he's always going to be prone to these type of turnover games. Um, I And like I don't know if we should discount his off-the-field history. Like I think that factors in if you're going to give a guy the contract.
0: Yeah, yeah it does.
2: Right, exactly. And like, I would understand if he was balling out and playing amazing football, then a football team looks at it as like, well, he's worth the risk because he's playing this well, but he's not playing well enough. He already has 10 interceptions. Um, I put this in, we were talking about this earlier. They've pretty much, Fitzpatrick and Winston have pretty much played the exact same number of passes this year. And the, the difference statistic, statistically is staggering.
1: Viper uh, play Winston's 15th, so.
0: That's before today today, mean, you, yeah. He, he threw
2: four Sam, picks.
0: He, I, would, he, I would guess It'll whole,
1: change, but it's not like they're drastically different heading into today. Winston,
0: 148 passes, 1,181 yards, 64.9% completion, 6 touchdowns, 10 interceptions! He's suspended the first three games of the season. He's Tied for the league, tied for the NFL lead in interceptions. Fitzpatrick, one hundred forty-four passes, fifteen hundred fifty yards, sixty-eight point one percent completions, thirteen touchdowns, five interceptions. Fitzpatrick's just been better. Now he's been lucky. Um, you know, and, he, and I don't think he's great. I don't think he's going to take them to the playoffs. But Winston stinks. You can't. Um.
2: I'll say this, as much as as I hate Winston, I would play him the rest of the year because I don't think at 3-4, and I don't think the Bucs are any good. I don't think they're a playoff team, and I think the rest of this year has to be about figuring out what you're doing with Jameis. So I think you let him play. Maybe he plays well and you can trade him in the offseason. Right now his value is at its lowest, so maybe you can build up his value. I don't think there's any point in playing for with playing Fitzpatrick, because I just don't think they're in a team that's in win now mode. Anyways, I don't think that team's any good.
1: It's oh, week eight, they're three and four. What are you talking yeah, about?
2: Did you not hear? They're Brenton's, not good. Brenton's key point is that if you play him
3: the year and he gets injured, now you're locked into him for another year because you owe him twenty one million dollars. So you can't just blanket say, I, I'm going to play him the rest of the year because I want to see what he does. It's there's a risk with playing him the rest of the year. Alright, Are you just going to blow twenty one million dollars with Jameis Winston? No, you're not. No one is.
2: If you bench him now, then you're then you already. Have to know you're moving on because you bench
0: them now
2: for few,
0: you can't go back to them. No. Sure, they already did one. Why not? They can do it.
2: They haven't done it. They haven't done it.
0: once. Uh, right, we're kind of bearing the lead. No, we're not bearing the lead here. But it is worth noting that the Bengals look pretty good against this Buccaneers team. They were up, uh a, by a substantial margin, thirty-four to uh, sixteen, heading into the fourth quarter. Andy Dalton, 21 of 34, 280 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Tyler Boyd, nine catches, 138 yards and a touchdown. AJ Green, 576 and a catch and a touch. And Joe Mixon, 21 carries, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Are the Bengals a juggernaut
3: breach? Do we care? The Bengals are a juggernaut and you should care because the AFC is going to go through them to get to the Super Bowl Brinson. The Here's the thing with the Bengals watching this game today is that it honestly felt like they went in the halftime, they were up, I think, twenty-seven to nine at that point. Our whole second half strategy is gonna be we're just gonna let Jameis Winston throw us interceptions and we're not gonna do anything. Because they really didn't do anything. It was they just kind of sat back, took their foot off the gas, and let the Bucks come back to that game. But they were just so dominating in the first half, and that's exactly what you want to see, is with the Joe Mixon stuff. Uh, You know, mix and miss two games with his D injury. And he's a huge part of that offense. Now you take him out. They're not as good. And now you see how good they are when he is in there. We saw how big Tyler Boyd was now that there's a second weapon besides A.J. Green, who Andy Dalton can throw to constantly. So it's this is revamped Bengals offense when they're all out on the field and they're all healthy. Uh, You know, I think it's a top three offense in the AFC and probably top five in the NFL.
1: Marvin Lewis thought so little of this Buccaneers team that he went for it on fourth and two for midfield.
3: <laughs> Which he never does, by the way. So that is the ultimate insult. That's him saying, James is going to throw seven more interceptions, so I don't care what happens on this play. Uh, elsewhere in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens got a beatdown
0: from the Carolina Panthers. This was a, I mean, a stunning outcome, to be perfectly frank. The, the Ravens marched on the field, 75-yard play, Um, in, in like a 75 yard, uh, drive in seven minutes, go up seven nothing against Carolina. And and all you could think was, all right, they're going to smother the Panthers, play great defense, beat them like they beat the Titans when they were on the road. And Carolina ripped off 27 unanswered points against the Ravens as, uh, North Turner dialed up all kinds of smart, Offensive play calling, Cam Newton, 21 of 29 for 219 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Joe Flacker, 22 of 39 for 192, a touchdown and two picks. Um... McCaffrey had 14 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. DJ Moore really blew up, five catches for 90 yards. Greg Olson had a touchdown. They were involving Curtis Samuel. They're using a lot of misdirection, a lot of like a lot of all these little pieces that they can place around in in, in Moore and McCaffrey and Samuel, and it makes life easier on Cam. Cam, do you do you all know what Cam Newton's completion percentage for the year is right now? Does anybody know?
1: It's north of 60. It
0: It is. Over, under, 63 and a half.
1: Over. Over.
0: Under. 66.4. Oh, That's I insane. Cam Newton's top twelve in the in the league in completion percentage, and North Turner's designing this stuff for him. It's working really well. He's running the ball well. He looks efficient. They're giving him easy looks and letting these guys pick up yards after the catch. Um, and then this is a I thought this is an amazing stat from from uh, Bill Voth of, of Panthers. Com. Cam in the red zone this season just passing. 17 of 24, 71%, 9 touchdowns, 0 picks, and a league best 120.7 passer rating. Here's my question for you, Ryan. Are we sleeping on the Carolina Panthers as a legitimate contender with Cam playing this well and, uh, and the defense starting to come together?
1: I don't, I don't think so. I mean, they're in a tough division. We just saw the Saints win on Sunday night. We haven't talked about that yet. Uh, the Saints have two huge road wins, which are sort of a big deal for them. Um, but I think the fact that the Panthers are playing the way they are, I'm not sleeping on them. I mean, they always seem to be around the top the last few years, uh, sort of sneaking up on the Saints. Saints played out of their minds last year, especially the defense. Defense hasn't been quite as good this this time around. But, I mean, it all starts with the Rams, of course. But I think uh, given the way that the the Panthers are playing, and this is sort of important, if you can get a first-round buy, that's a huge deal because you don't want to be traveling, um, especially this year I feel like, either whether it's going to New Orleans or going to Los Angeles. When you have a chance to stay at home at least for one of those games, and then anything can happen. So yeah, I'm not sleeping on them at all. Especially, um, I-, I love the way Cam's playing. I don't have any problem with that. I think the defense is actually playing better than most people expect, at least according to your, our buddies at Football Outsiders. Uh, yeah, no, I- I'm I'm happy for them and in the state of North Carolina.
0: Breach, are we? Um, are you worried about the Ravens? Ravens scare you at all?
3: I, you know, it was funny because everything you just said. You know, if you would have been in a spot where you were live gambling this game how much would you have put on the Panthers losing after that opening drive where the Ravens just went down the throat, went up 7 nothing? Great call. You know? A lot. A
0: lot. It, looked, it was like, all right, the Ravens are going to steamroll this team.
3: And, and that's what it felt like. And then all of a sudden, it, it's the, the Panthers are the Ravens of the NFC, except it seemed like they're better at everything that the Ravens mm. do than the Ravens are.
1: Just mm. so, Cam Newton elite?
3: Cam Newton is a combination of Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So they have, that's what John Harbaugh's like idle quarterback, ideal quarterback would be Cam Newton, because that's what he's trying to do with his offense. But yeah, everything, uh, Will, you said about Carolina, they embarrassed Baltimore. And, you know, I think me and Wilson have been saying Steelers, Bengals, top two in the AFC North. And I think after this week, we still harp that. Maybe the Ravens will fool us all and go on a five game winning streak. Uh, but I think it's definitely Steelers, Bengals. If I was a Ravens fan, I would be worried they got, they just got beat down. After that opening drive, it was a, a beat down for three and a half quarters. They get the uh, the Steelers, of course, at home this coming
0: week and then go into their bye. And then the the Ravens have the Bengals and Raiders at home after that, at Falcons, at Chiefs, Buccaneers, at Chargers, and at, and Browns at home. I got the over on eight wins in the Ravens. I'm still feeling pretty good about that. But it would be nice for them to pick up the fi- I would not like them to be four and five going into the bye week. That's not what I was, uh, that's not what I was thinking they would be, um after seeing them the, uh, the, the opening week against the Bills. Sean, I have some exciting news for you.
2: I know what you're gonna say.
0: What am they I gonna say? Gonna surprise me. Well, what am I gonna say?
2: Let's, let's see if you're gonna surprise me.
0: Well, tell me what you think I was gonna I'll say.
2: I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest.
0: The Bears are in first place. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: What else are you going to surprise me with? I something mean? Sean? Ryan is your father.
1: <laughs> I, I thought you got a, a subscription to, uh, com or whatever that's called.
0: <laughs> Sean, I have exciting news. Star Wars is terrible. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Star Wars is- You crazy. are a real life Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. We got you a Jar Jar Binks. Uh, uh so it's the it's Bears good, are- good. The Bears are in first place. This is crazy. So like the Bears played last week against the Patriots and went from first place to last place. And then the Bears played the Jets and beat the Jets. And by the time the day ended on Sunday, the Bears had gone from last place back to first place. Are you back in first place mode and firmly believing the Bears, who didn't even need Khalil Mack to whip up on the Jets, are, uh, are, are a playoff championship caliber team?
2: No. Um, Look, it's a good win. Like, they did what they should have done two weeks ago against Miami, which is beat a bad team, and that's encouraging. I just don't know if you watched that game and you are encouraged about anything they did in that game. Um, look, Tariq Cohen caught a 70-yard touchdown right away. He didn't catch another pass in the game, and I thought that was kind of odd that you're not getting him involved against the Jets. Um, it, it, I don't know if you can take anything away from this game except that the Bears won without Alan Robertson and Khalil Mack, which is important. And hopefully if you give them a week off, their injuries um, won't nag as long. I mean, maybe you can give them a week off next week when you play the Bills. That, to me, is still going to be the most important thing is how healthy is Khalil Mack down the stretch. Because we saw what he was like at the beginning of the year playing like an MVP caliber player. And then the last two weeks, not counting Sunday – um, when he played, he didn't get a sack, and the Bears defense largely suffered without getting any sense of a pass rush. And so I think that's the key. Can he get healthy in time? And I would honestly rest him next week because I think the Bears are good enough to win this type of game against the Bills.
0: Mm. That's uh, I want to mark down the Bills for a win in that game. That's a look-ahead game from a Bears fan saying we don't need our best defensive player no, in no, Buffalo I... against the Bills. That's a, a slap in the face, disrespectful. I no,
2: yeah, i own that. Yeah, I don't think they do, but I also think it's more important that they have Khalil Mack at 100% versus Khalil Mack at like 80% the rest of the year. By the way, if well, you take,
0: if you take out that 70 yard pass from Trubisky to, to uh, Tariq Cohen, it traveled like four yards in the air. Uh, Mr. Trubisky averaged less than like five and a half yards per pass attempt. What I
2: was going to say is I don't think there's been a quarterback who looks, looks worse, but puts up actually like pretty good stat lines. Like if you look at Trubisky's number, numbers for the entire season, it's actually really good, and it's, like, on par with...
0: Sean keeps cutting out every time he tries to make a point actually... about somebody
2: he loves. But if you... Yeah, it's if hysterical. You, if you watch the, the Bears play outside of two games, Trubisky looks awful. It's just because he misses so many open passes. And you're right, a lot of his success is about Matt Nagy drawing up open plays... And you know, getting playmakers in space. So I still think Trubisky obviously the weakest link of the team, and he's ultimately probably going to be what holds the Bears back from emerging out of what is like a competitive, but I don't know if it's a good division. It's just it's very narrow. The team is
1: undefeated with Jameis Winston. I'm just going to say that.
2: What? You're right. Well, they said so the Bears have, are undefeated with Jameis Winston at quarterback. You're right.
0: Would you trade Mitchell Trubisky um, for Jameis Winston? No, I would not trade Mitchell Trubisky for James Winston. Would you trade Mitchell
2: Trubisky for Marcus
3: Mariota? No. Hmm, interesting.
2: We do this every week.
3: Yeah, I know. I, I didn't start mm-hmm. the game. Why'd you start the keep failing that? at it, though. Um, Trubisky right. for Joe Flacco. Ooh, that's a, no. and, and Lamar Jackson. I just like and hearing... package deal for Trubisky.
0: I like hearing Sean's, like, like quasi-whiny no. Like, you guys no. A, mm-hmm.
2: hate, hate Mitch Trubisky.
1: I don't hate him. He's terrible.
2: I'm very undecided on him.
1: Why? Well, you, you just said he short hops passes all day long. What are, what are you undecided about? How he short hops him?
2: Because he, I, I'm hesitant to write off quarterback after how many starts he's had in his career, which is probably somewhere around like 14. And a lot of that was spent in John Fox offense. He has to learn a new offense with new players all around him. I, I think a big problem with him right now is that his mechanics are way off. And I attribute a lot of that to maybe the system. And it seems like he's unsure where to go with the ball. And that's messing up his feet. His feet are just awful. Uh, no, no,
1: no, that's messing up his brain. If he doesn't know where to go with the ball, it has nothing to do with his feet. All right. Yeah, moving, moving.
0: We're, we're, to, we're not, we're not doing the We're not analyzing Mr. Trubisky every week. He's just not that he,
2: good. He brought up the game. And it's, it's my play play. fault. It's my fault.
0: Um, instead, let's talk about a different NFC North game. Uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings lost at home to the new Orleans saints on Sunday night, which allowed the bears to move into first place. Um, Ryan, sure, Breach, whoever, I don't know why I called you Ryan. Uh Breach, do you think that the Vikings are frauds or are the Saints just – are the Saints the best team in football? They just went on the road in back-to-back games and won in Baltimore and one
3: in Minnesota, two hard places to play, and won really impressive fashion. They did, and the thing is they won without their offense at all. This was the first time in Drew Brees' career – that the Saints won a game with that low of an offensive outplay. It was 270 yards total. Anytime they hit that number or lower, they lose every single time. And so, you know, if their defense is making plays, they are the scariest team in football. They're a top three team. But the flip side is that, is that, you know, we're turning in our midseason predictions this week, which I'm sure you will chat about at some point, kind of revamp how you feel about everyone. And my feeling when I emailed this in to our writer who was handling this, Jared Dubin, I said, if the Vikings lose tonight, they're out of my playoffs. They're gone. So this loss it was enough to like I I think the Vikings are frauds. I don't think they're horrible. So I you know, I think they can finish with a winning record, get to eight or nine wins, but I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins. He bubbles it like every other play. They make too many mistakes. I don't know what they were doing in the fourth quarter. It's like no one has ever taught them a two-minute drill. And uh it, they just looked messed up all over the place. So it's just I don't think they're getting the 10 or 11 wins. I don't think they're getting the playoffs. And I do think the Saints are real good. So that's like part of it. But the Vikings look bad.
1: When you lose with your best players making mistakes, Adam Thielen had that fumble at the end of the first half that led to a touchdown. Uh, Kirk Cousins had the most Jameis Winston interception ever, <laughs> even though upon review, it didn't actually turn out to be his fault. It was literally Jameis Winston's fault. So that's, that's on Jameis. Savon <laughs> <laughs> Diggs quit running. That's what yeah, happened. But uh, PJ Williams, who was getting roasted the first quarter or so, got red hot. He caused the fumble on Thielen, had the pick six on the play where Diggs is stopped, where Diggs stopped. And that was pretty much it. Those two plays turned the game around. Those are the two best players. And uh, even though Harrison Smith actually had an interception to Drew Brees his first of the year, you know, the last time he had an interception, Brinson,
0: uh, last year, <laughs> uh, in the uh, got him. probably in the, in the, in the Minnesota miracle game.
1: There you go. You got it. That's right. So that was his last interception. 232 passes this year until he finally threw one. But as uh, Brees pointed out, he didn't do, he really had nothing to do. He, he played Alex Smith captain checkdown all night and it worked out fine. They they just sort of moved the ball, dinked and dunked their way down the field and, Capitalize on the Vikings' mistakes, and if your best players are making mistakes and you're losing, uh, what what what's your recourse? You're gonna you're not gonna win many football games. He the he
2: was yards, breezes has thrown for in a Saints win in his career.
1: He didn't. He he attempted two passes
0: more than ten yards down the field. I mean, you're right though. Like. That, that fumble by Thielen was enormous. The Vikings are marching down the field and about to put up points and about to like add to it.
1: It was to 13-10, it. Vikings were leading to that point.
0: Yeah, and it was either going to be 17-10 or it was going to be 16-10, uh, uh, or excuse me, it was either going to be 20-10 to or 16-10 to going into halftime unless the Saints were able to put something together themselves. I mean, it looked like it was going to be a Vikings lead though, and then it flipped it and it just changed the complexion of the game. And I don't think that the, I don't think that the Vikings ever really recovered. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know that I worry about them. Like, too. I. I mean. I think they're still fine, but, I mean, certainly they. They have these. I don't know. They. They have something they miss, and I. Don't, I don't know what it is about Minnesota. Um, if you look at their, their losses, schedule is
1: tough too. I don't have it in front of me, but I was looking at it earlier today.
0: They play the Lions this week, and then they're then they get their bye. Then their the next four games is going to decide their season. It's at the Bears, Packers at home on. Um, It's gotta be on Thanksgiving, right? Yes. Right?
2: No. Oh. No. Yes.
0: No, it's not. It it, it's that week. It's 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 a Sunday night it's a Sunday night game after Thanksgiving. Sorry. So it's Bears at Bears at home, or Bears on the road, Packers at home, at the Patriots, then at the Seahawks. I mean, like you have to go two and two in that stretch somehow with that. That's a wrap. Yeah. I mean, you know, they get, they close with the Dolphins at the Lions and the Bears at home. So they could win their final three games. Uh, but when you're, you know, when you're sitting there and you're four, four and one, which is what the Vikings are, and you're dealing with the Lions sort of playing well, the Bears are, are winning games. And of course the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. Um, all, you know, all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a really tough spot. Like if, if you don't go two and two in that stretch and you, and you come out of that and you're like five, seven and one, you know, you got to win th- your last three games to get to 8-7-1. and one. That's probably not going to happen.
2: Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you guys, since we are turning in our midseason predictions, after what we saw today where the Packers did look good in a loss to the Rams and the Vikings did not look good and the Bears won the Lions loss, who did you guys pick to win at the NFC North? Because I think you can make a case for three of the four teams.
3: You certainly can. Who did you have, Breach? I had – if the Vikings had won tonight, I was going to have the Vikings – But since they did not, I have the Packers. I think just all the teams are so even that I'm going to take the team to the best quarterback.
1: I, went. I turned mine in before the yeah. game tonight, and I'm too lazy to change it, so I'm going with the Vikings. <laughs>
2: exact exact same here. I am also too lazy to change
0: it, so I will go with the Vikings. I had Vikings, <laughs> Vikings, Bears, Packers, Lions, but I think all, all four of those teams, the, the Lions could win that division. I don't think they will, but they could. Yeah.
1: Today they got stomped, and it just makes me wonder, what is Matt Patricia doing? <laughs> is he holding defensive meetings? Because they got steamrolled by Russ, your boy Russ.
0: Are you sure the Seahawks aren't just good? Let's talk about that game. I mean, I they they, they are, good.
1: are good. They are good. But I, every other week the, the uh, lines don't show up. So I don't know. I guess it depends on, on what weeks these games are on. They're going to go eight eight at this rate, I suppose. But is that going to be enough to get them into the wild card?
0: By the way, so I have the I have Pete Carroll listed on that. Um, we talked about the, the, the midseason awards or whatever. I got Pete Carroll as my midseason coach of the year award. Like the Seahawks That's a good are good. The Seahawks are now, uh, uh, what, what are they? Four laundry. and three. Four and three. They would be the second wildcard team. They've only played two games at home. Which week eight. They've only played two games at home. That's crazy.
2: You know, what's impressive about them is that it's not even the defense, which, which is playing well, but it's the fact that their offensive line since, if you look at the stats since week two or week three, has been one of the best pass blocking offensive lines in football. Their two tackles are one of the best two pass, um, pass-blocking tackle combinations in the league. Um, and I think this is what we kind of envisioned them eventually becoming once that defense got broken up, which was Russell Wilson's team. And I think today was kind of a good example of that. He hit three touchdowns and three incompletions today, and he should have had another touchdown that was taken back a couple of times, and there, were, Doug Baldwin kind of mismanaged one on the sideline. Um, so I think with Russell Wilson playing this way, they're legitimately, they're not going to catch the Rams, but they're definitely, um, I think, I would put them as a favorite for one of the wild-card spots.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's five with that. By the way, their next four games, not easy. Now, so this is an interesting little s- section for the Seahawks here. Chargers at home, at the Rams, Packers at home, at the Panthers in their next four games. That's tough. But then they close. They have four of their final five games are at home. The only game that's away is at San Francisco in week 15. Like, they're probably going to win four of their last five games I mean, or something like that. It's 49ers, Vikings, 49ers, Chiefs, and Cardinals. Like, that's a great stretch to close. If they can go two and two over this uh, rough stretch here, Breach, that puts them in really good shape to win out. or Not to win out, but to, to, to win enough games to get that wild card spot. I think Sean's right. Like, Russell Wilson's playing his tail off. And the Seahawks look like a competent offense. And
3: and everything you just said about the schedule uh, is the four or five, they're the only team, them and the Titans the only two teams that have four home games in December. So that's a pretty huge advantage, especially if you're Seattle, where you always play well at home, you always win. And the Chargers game looks tough. Russell Wilson has never lost a home game to an AFC team. little nugget coming in the odds and ends this week. So, you know, he's going to feel pretty confident about that. AFC teams, they don't get to go to Seattle. A lot, So it's kind of, you play there for the first time in eight years. It's not, it's one of the hardest stadiums to play in. And like you just said, six of their final eight or nine games, how many games they have left are at home. And so that makes this winnable. And you guys said, you know, they're playoff contenders. They absolutely are. I think that second wild card spot, I think the AFC South will get two uh, or two playoff spots, but that second one, it could go anywhere. The, the in, anywhere in F-
0: NFC? NFC South, NFC South yeah.
3: NFC, yeah, South. yeah. NFC
0: South will likely get at least two playoff spots. I would think the Panthers and the Saints are in a pretty good spot there. Um, the, the Rams are, are closing in on locking up a playoff spot as well. They're seven. <laughs> are they eight? No, they're eight and no now. Uh, eight after, nine. after taking care of business against the Packers, who fell to three, three and one, 29 27 Rams win. Todd Gurley, 25 carries, 114 yards and screwed everybody and their brother by not running into the end zone. I know it was a smart play, but it blew the over. It blew the cover for the Rams and it screwed up fantasy leagues everywhere. What do you have to say for yourself,
2: Sean? I mean, it screwed over everyone except the over. Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. That was uh some- I, it was this was the first time the Rams had faced a deficit that was double digits, I think, all year. They were down ten early in the game. And the Packers were kind of getting after Goff. Gurley had no room to run in that first half. I was a little bit concerned, and then the game kind of flipped, interestingly enough, on a punt that Johnny Hecker downed uh, the Packers inside the one yard line late in the first half, and that led to a safety. And then after the safety, the the Rams went down, and scored a touchdown, and then by that point it was a two point game at halftime. And then the Rams came out rolling. So I think it's the Rams are so complete, and I know their defense hasn't been great, but when you have Aaron Donald getting two big sacks in the second half on key third downs, and you have a punter like Hecker, like I don't think we should overlook the fact that they're good in all three phases and special teams and punters. We don't really pay attention to. But in that first half, Hecker punted five times, and he also converted a fake. I thought the special teams was actually really big in favor of the Rams. And also, the game was lost on a Packers kick return when Ty Montgomery fumbled. And after the game, the Packers were saying that he wasn't supposed to take the ball out of the end zone. And so I, I think it's it's easy to overlook special teams. And the Rams seemed, even under Jeff Fisher, always had a good special teams, and that couldn't matter.
0: The rare Jeff Fisher compliment. Ryan, do you <laughs> – um Do you see a red flag with the Rams at all? I mean, maybe they're secondary?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm wondering about Marcus Peters' calf. He's been getting regularly roasted, which is not what we expected when he was traded. And I just wonder if he's not 100%, and that would make a lot of sense. Usually, like, uh, when players that are previously known to be pro bowlers and they're still in their prime start playing like crap, it's usually because they're hurt and not not much else. So the fact that they can win with him not playing well and with the defense not playing as well as it did a year ago, I mean, that's a fantastic development. And they weren't playing a home game today, by the way. They were 80,000 Packers fans there going crazy. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, so you know, that, that, they can win on the road <laughs> in, in sunny California. And also, you have to overcome, both teams did, the uh, the casino floor 3-D effect to playing on that field. I don't know what was going on with that thing. I know they had <laughs> the USC game, and then the weather was bad, and they couldn't fix it. But Jesus Christ, trying to watch that, it was like you needed 3-D glasses just to sort everything out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that Sean McVay was – Seem not necessarily frustrated, but actually more surprised that he wasn't able to get 15 yards in every play call. And Goff looked more like uh human. I mean, we've seen him just light people up looking like Tom Brady in recent weeks, but he looked less like Tom Brady and more like, not like Jared Goff under Jeff Fisher, but more like an average quarterback in his third year trying to figure things out. And I wonder, I don't know why the Packers had so much success getting after him early, what they did. And I'm sure we'll find out in the days to come. But I suspect other teams are going to try to do it. And then I want to see how Sean McVay counters that because he knows it's coming. And I'm sure either one or two things will happen. It'll be a bunch of more big plays for the Rams or teams will actually start to make it tougher for the Rams to score. And, and I sort of feel like it's going to be more big plays for the Rams.
2: By the way, next week they go to New Orleans in a game that could decide home field advantage in the NFC. Because if the Saints win that game, they, they're suddenly ahead of – of, of the, of the Rams with each with one loss and they would have the tiebreaker, obviously.
0: And the Rams, by the way, I mean, they just navigated a brutal stretch. Like it looked like it was going to be rough before the season. Uh, they now have three weeks until they're by at the Saints, Seahawks at home, Chiefs at home, uh, and then they close out at Lions, at Bears, Eagles, at Cardinals, 49ers. I mean, it's just hard to find, you know, if you, if you, I mean, Oh no! Sorry, the Chiefs game is actually in Mexico City. So maybe they lose two of their next three if they go two and one over this next stretch, and they're nine and one going into that, or uh, ten and one, excuse me, going into that bye. um, They're going to get
2: home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I feel like, yeah, no, unless they're playing the Packers. If they if they lose to the Saints and they still go two and three, I don't know if they're going to get home field advantage.
0: Saints have a much. Saints have to play. The Rams, Bengals, Eagles, Falcons, Cowboys, Buccaneers, and then the Panthers twice, and the Steelers in the final three weeks. Panthers, Saints have a rough close to the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that next week's game is, I if honestly, in a way, through the Rams, you'd almost rather go one and three as long as that win is against the Saints than going two and three and losing to the Saints, just because that game is really worth two wins because of the head-to-head tiebreaker.
0: It's fine with me. It makes sense. I agree. Uh, ooh, even more exciting game in the NFC West. Arizona beat San Francisco. Did you guys watch this instead of the Rams Packers? I know I did. Uh,
1: I watched parts of it. It was, it was not easy.
0: Uh, d- d- uh, the only thing that matters to me in this is that the Cardinals went and got a win after firing Mike McCoy and Josh Rosen looked awesome on the final drive. That's all that matters. Like, They played like crap for most of the game and they couldn't, they can't score. And this game was like five to three at halftime. I mean, get out of here. It was three
1: to two at one point, then five to three. Yeah. Twelve to three at one point. Yeah. It was just terrible football. But, uh, I I don't know. I mean, good news for Byron Leftwich. I I didn't think he was going to come out and that team was going to score 40 points, but I think you're right. I think the development of Josh Rosen is the most important thing about this season. The second most important thing is firing Steve Wilkes at the end of the year and finding somebody, someone who's a good fit to help Rosen continue to become a good quarterback.
0: I I would agree with that completely. By the way, Larry Fitzgerald, over a 100 yards for the first time all season, 102 yards and a touchdown. Christian Kirk also called a touchdown. I think if you're the Cardinals, you feel a little bit of excitement over that. Um, someone named Kay Bourne led the uh, 49ers with seven catches and 71 yards. George Kittle, again, effective. Marky Goodwin had a long uh, touchdown catch. David Johnson left with a concussion, 16 carries, 59 yards. Um, four targets, 41 receiving yards. That's good at least.
2: I did, you,
3: did you guys see the final play so the 49ers were in field goal range for about a 58 59 yards like snap over the head or something yeah and then they the snap goes over your boy Beat hard uh it goes right by him hits him in the hands and then he recovers and there was only six seconds left so they had time to gain I think they were trying to get five ten yards they had a timeout so they could have done that get a little bit closer for the field goal. And that just blew up in their face. Total 49ers because they're 1-7 and, and they're horrible. And that was the whole 49ers season in a nutshell. Uh, but, yeah, everything you guys said, the Cardinals, they, they looked like trash for three quarters. It felt like Mike McCoy was still running the team. And then all of a sudden they just blew up in the fourth quarter, somehow scored two touchdowns, and they couldn't even move the ball for three quarters. So, you know, whatever they did in the fourth quarter, I hope Byron Leftwich took notes, and they keep doing that. And, uh, you know, we'll find out if this was a real thing or if it was just because the Cardinals were playing a bad 49ers. Team.
0: I, I'm in on Josh Rosen, by the way. I think you watch yeah. him throw and you can see that he's got just like that live wire. Yeah, on. How,
1: how, how do you think he'd be on the Giants right now?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he can move around. He can escape pressure, and he can throw the ball down the field. He'd be awesome. Um, the Raiders lost again. You won't believe it. The Raiders losers once again, forty-two to twenty-eight to the visiting Colts. The Raiders were three-point home dogs. They got steamrolled by Marlon Mack, who became the first. Uh, I I swear to God, I heard this at the broadcast. The first Colts running back to rush for a hundred yards in back to back games since Joey Adai in like two thousand seven or something like that. Uh 20- to some
1: other crazy stat that went back to nineteen eighty five in terms of the Colts rushing attack. Really? Yeah, I'll look that up.
0: All right, you do that while I tell you what happened in this game. 25 carries for 132 yards for Marlon Mack. A pair of touchdowns. Of course, I dropped him um, after uh, multiple waiver wires. Hope you didn't do the same. Andrew Luck, 22 of 31 for 239 and three touchdowns. He continues to play well. Jack Doyle returned to the lineup. Six catches, 70 yards, and a score. Eric Ebron also caught a touchdown. Colts offensive line is really good. Doug Martin had a had a key fumble though. Darius Leonard with an incredible play. This is what like flipped the game too, because it was twenty-eight all. The Raiders were leading twenty-eight twenty-one 21 in the fourth quarter. And Darius Leonard comes around and just like, hammers the ball out of Doug Martin's hands. Martin fumbles and he played alright throughout the day. Um, he coughs it up and, and the Colts are going to score, uh, twice more. Derek Carr, 21 to 28 for 244 and three touchdowns. I thought he played pretty inspired football for a guy who's had all, all of his, uh, all of his item, all of his, like, friends taken away from him. The
1: Colts rushed for at least 200 yards in back-to-back games for the first time since the final two games of 1985.
0: Wow. That's it. That's an incredible stat. Uh, anyway, moving along, these teams are not good. The Colts could still win the South, though. Let's not sleep on that.
1: Um, oh, listen, our our editor, RJ White, is all in on the Colts winning. He's not joking. They're going to win. He thought they might even lose the, to the Raiders today and then get red hot. The rest of their schedule is cupcake even by Colts standards. So, you know, if the Texans slip up or whatever happens, I don't think there's any other real threats in that, in that division with the Jaguars and the Titans. It could be your boy, Andrew Luck. Colts could have beaten the Eagles,
0: could have beaten the Texans, had, could have be beaten the Bengals. Could have beaten the Bengals. Should have beaten the Bengals, really. The Bengals aren't a very good team. Uh, I'm just kidding, John. That's a pot shot at you. Uh, have their week nine bye, and then they get the Jaguars, Titans, Dolphins, Jaguars, Texans, Cowboys, Giants,
3: Titans. That is an unbelievable schedule. They could win five of those games. Well, I mean, look at that. I, I think the – uh what do we look at? The Texans are the only team on that schedule with a winning record? Yep. Is that correct? So they literally – their final eight games, they play seven teams that currently have a losing record. We should all be all over it. Let's get on the Colts. Let's get on that bandwagon. Let's dump Wilson's Texans prediction. Get yeah. out of here, Wilson.
1: You're right. No. Hey, listen, Pete Carroll is one thing, but I think maybe Frank Wright right, deserves Jeff. some love too.
0: Hundred percent. This coaching staff is a like a billion percent upgrade over Chuck Pagano or whatever they were trying out. Um <laughs> Matt Eberfluss' defense is playing well. The offensive line is cooking. I like this Colts team. I hope they win the division and make us all look very, very stupid. Uh, speaking of people that look stupid, Blake Bortles played in London on Sunday morning. That was the only segue I had. Sorry. Jaguars lose 24 to 18. Sean, I know you were up at 3.30 in the morning soaking in every Blake Bortles throw. Uh, what was your favorite, what's your favorite part about London football at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time? Um,
2: well, I was actually watching the Arsenal game primarily. He was watching
1: manifest. He didn't have time to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: true. What kind of, uh, what kind of I don't play? know if we I don't know if we learned anything about either team. It was the Jaguars' struggles with Blake Bortles and their defense continued. Um Carson Wentz continues to play well. He's been playing well this entire season. It really has the Eagles four and four start really isn't on him. Um Ertz got kind of a touchdown. I don't know if we learned anything about these two teams. It was kind of what i thought was going to happen is the Eagles have looked better even though they had very similar records entering the game and look if the Jaguars defense isn't playing at that elite level they were last year if they're just playing at a decent level it's not like the Jaguars defense has been terrible this year they've just been a more of an average unit they're not going to win with Blake Bortles I I think that's just the takeaway
1: yeah but he was three and one in in London and that was his go-to place to win football games I think what doesn't help Is blowing seventy grand on alcohol that you don't pay for, and then Mm. being confused about why you didn't pay for it. Also, not helping. Why are four to ten people on your team out getting blasted twenty-four to twelve hours before football game? I don't (laughs) remember. Over the, I mean, what are you doing? Foreign country.
2: It's Friday night. With the language barrier.
1: Yeah, it's a language barrier. They couldn't understand they, they didn't understand why the money didn't have George Washington on it. I don't know what the that's excuse a, is, but that's, that's I'm a
0: sorry a terrible look. I'm sorry we didn't laugh at that, Sean. That's literally the funniest thing you've ever seen. I was
2: worried you guys were gonna think I was being serious, but I
0: was I was like, they speak English, you idiot. <laughs> um how what does sixty four thousand dollars worth of alcohol look like?
1: That's a lot of bud light.
3: Guys, the dollar <laughs> doesn't go as far as you think in England. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I, Order like three pints at a pub once three years ago, and I think I blew like a thousand dollars. It just
1: it flies after how you much jobs? you're
3: spending. I I don't remember somebody somebody <laughs> did.
1: <laughs> By the way, yeah, the leak. The Jaguars kept saying they were detained. They weren't detained. They were arrested. Yeah. So they're taking it, care of it internally. But it, it's come on, Doug Marone, whoever's in charge of making doing the bed checks. Your, your team is already reeling. Guys are having fights in the locker room, holding each other back, and then you're gonna fly across a the the Atlantic Ocean to spend sporty I mean uh, sixty seven grand on, on alcohol you're not going to pay for I,
2: I mean the night before the game is like the, the like the kicker of that two two
0: nights before the game
2: oh, okay. I think it was the Friday it was still. Friday night yeah
0: if somebody was doing that Saturday night you're just cut and like uh, yeah this is and but they didn't even make the guys inactive the only guy who's was inactive was DJ Hayden who was hurt anyway so it's like oh you went out two nights before this uh, critical season changing uh, game and and and, and you got arrested because you tried to steal $64,000 worth of alcohol. Oh yeah, just go out there and play. it would be fine. I'm sure it won't be a big deal. We don't need any discipline. This team is undisciplined. They are, uh, for Fournette missing is not the magic, like, solution to this. Their, their, their defensive line doesn't get any pressure. Their offensive line is banged up and can't protect. And they got Bortles. It's like they're leaning on Bortles, and they're terrible. Um,
1: by the way, this, this actually reflects even Poor, more poorly on Bortles, who didn't even go out. He wasn't even drunk. He has no excuse for the way he played. He
3: should have gotten out and got drunk. And, and I'm glad this uh, thing happened in England because I feel like once the Raiders moved to Vegas, it's players getting drunk and blowing off a $60,000 tab is going to be a weekly thing that we're going to be talking. <laughs> we'll have a podcast just about that starting in 2020.
1: We'll call it the- By the way, if the Raiders had flown to England on Friday like they did and then gone out and spent <laughs> seventy grand on, on alcohol, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's this bad. is why
2: Grin didn't fly early. See, he knew. Yeah,
1: he's getting that bowl cut. Took a while.
0: Uh, Denver at KC. Denver, KC held on. They moved to seven and one, 30 to 23. Patty Mahomes, 24 to 34, 3 four touchdowns. Ho hum, another big day for him. Uh, Kareem Hunt had, uh, five catches, 36 yards and a touchdown. It was a Sammy Watkins game, eight catches, 107 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Denver, a little emergence for Cortland Sutton, three catches, 78 yards. Uh, Philip Lindsey rushed 18, 18 times for 95 yards and a touchdown. And Case Keenan was fine. Uh, 262 yards. This is just to me a case of a team that was just overmatched. I mean, that's, I mean, like, Denver can't keep up with Kansas City, and, um, Kansas City might be rounding in a form though. Like, they, they look, I mean, not, not I mean, not, I guess that sounds stupid because they're 7-1, but like, they look like they're more complete than we thought at the beginning of the season. Is that crazy?
1: Let me ask you this. Money better spent, 18 million a year on Case Keenum, or 16 million a year on Sammy Watkins?
0: Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins.
1: I mean, I, I'm not even sure, but because highly overpaid, I just didn't know where they lie. You know, where they were on the spectrum. Because Sammy Watkins hasn't really done a whole lot this year. He got two touchdowns.
2: I I think what this game showed is that it, the fact that this was Sammy Watkins' like first breakout game. It's just it's so hard to stop the Chiefs' offense. They have so many players that you can kind of stop. To Tyreek Hill, and they didn't really stop him mean, three catches and 70 yards. But there's just so many things that Sammy Watkins is some of the fourth option, and he's having a breakout game here. It's his first breakout game. And Sammy Watkins is a good player. He might not be worth the contract they paid him, uh, but he's still a really good player. And if he's the fourth option on an offense, I don't know how you go in to Kansas City and you expect to beat the Chiefs without scoring 40 points a game. Like, I think that's the only way you can beat them. The You're ch- not going to stop this offense.
0: The Chiefs are seven and one, and they haven't played the Raiders yet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they have the Raiders twice so they Browns, Cardinals, and at the Rams, or the Rams, excuse me, the Ram at Rams is in Mexico, uh City on that Monday night. But so they, they should go they should get to nine and one before they play the Rams. Then they get their week twelve bye, and then they have the Raiders, Ravens, Chargers, Seahawks, and Raiders, uh, with three of those games at home, only the Raiders and the Seahawks on the road, uh, to close out. I mean they're gonna win I don't know. At least ten. So Twelve or three, yeah, 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 at least ten. Uh, if you're holding that over, uh, over eight and a half Chiefs ticket, <laughs> you're feeling pretty good about Golly,
1: it. Lee who said? I mean, yeah. Let me. Add, so look, uh, two Raiders Browns game, 110 points. Chiefs score over under.
0: And there's two oh, oh, way over.
1: Those three games,
0: way over. Ooh,
1: okay. Yeah, I think man, like one fifty. Oh, no, no. Uh, is that right? Did I do the math right? Yeah. No, okay. 110. Wow. I'll you. You don't really think 150.
0: No, I don't think 150. Uh, anyway, the Chiefs are very good. They're going to keep winning football games. Have an easy schedule. Speaking of those Browns, they played in Cleveland, they played in Pittsburgh, excuse me, and got blasted, Ryan, 33 to 18. Your Steelers keep rolling. James Connor, who I traded away in fantasy, had another monster day. 24 carries, 146 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Big Ben was 24, 36, 257, two touchdowns, one pick, just fine. Antonio Brown caught a pair of touchdowns. Everybody's happy. Do you even want Le'Veon Bell back?
1: Well, here's the thing. Our buddy Jared Dubin, our colleague, tweeted about this. This is sort of like the worst-case scenario for Le'Veon Bell. He keeps holding out. James Conner keeps playing well. James Conner is making 550 this year. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell make, is turning down 850 a week. So, And then, you know, Ty Gurley's doing his thing. Makes, he's making much less. David Johnson isn't having a great year. He's making much less on his new deal. So, look, Le'Veon Bell is healthy. I'm not going to begrudge a guy for holding out, but I don't know how this works out where he comes back, plays however many games, and then gets a contract to pay some $16 million a year. Um, the Steelers should have actually won by a lot more. They made a bunch of stupid mistakes. I don't know if Sean's right about the uh, when they screwed up the the safety and the punt that ensued where – the up-back called, called a fair catch and then faked a the fair catch and walked off. Ryan Switzer didn't field it because he didn't know what to do, and the Browns recovered. Uh, turns out, after the game, Ryan Switzer didn't know that you couldn't let that ball go. You had to catch it. Oh, yeah. So uh, that, that's where we're at in terms of not covering all your bases here in Week 7. They're playing better. The defense is playing better, which is actually sort of a big development. But we'll see. They play the Ravens next week, and you know that, that could change everything. They're 4-2-1 and one right now. Uh, breaches, Bengals are on the prowl. And, uh, if the Ravens get a big win, which is what they need, they'll be right back in there too.
0: Did Jarvis, Jarvis Landry had,
1: oh god, terrible numbers.
0: It's <laughs> just like Miami Jarvis Landry. It just, it made my eyes. I, I like, I just saw it and just kind of was like, whoa. Uh,
3: 12 targets, 8 catches, 39 yards. Yeah, not great. well Throw in that he had a 21 yard catch. In that game, because I remember seeing that. <laughs> You're right, he
1: did. So now he had seven <laughs> catches for eighteen yards. What the hell? I'm... I will say this: Baker so weird. Mayfield had probably less than half a second to throw every time he played. They signed Chris Hubbard in the offseason, the right tackle. He's been garbage. They have a uh, Harrison—is that his name? The undrafted free agent plays left tackle, who's been absolute garbage. Uh, he had no time back there, and he got banged up to the point. At one point in the fourth quarter, it looked like Tyrod was coming in, but he didn't. Um, also. Wings defense you, plays did, did, unbelievably for three quarters, but they are so exhausted by the end that they they just they were getting steamrolled by uh by James.
0: Did you just do like drugs before you said it? It's like all of a sudden, you went to. Could you hear yourself? You went to like one and a half speed on my like.
1: Oh yeah, I was getting pumped up. I was, I was reliving the game. It was magic.
0: Skype is being a little funky tonight. That's fine. <laughs> um uh Nick Chubb, yeah, uh, hey, go ahead. What you got?
2: I was just gonna like the game to me turned at, at the end of the first half when the Steelers had a 16 play 87 yard drive that took seven minutes mm. off the clock. Mm. And I know Hugh Jackson makes a lot of mistakes every week. So this will seem pretty like minor in terms of like the scale of Hugh Jackson this, but he had all three timeouts at the end there and the Steelers were inside the 20 yard line and kept running it. And he just didn't take a single timeout. They carried all three of their timeouts into halftime. And the Steelers ran the clock down to eight seconds left. And they asked,
1: asked him
2: They asked after the game, oh, yeah. what a- his strategy was for that. And he said, honestly, I don't remember. It's the end of a half. It's not like a random sequence in the first quarter. And he, he doesn't remember, which basically translates to, I don't have an answer for why I didn't use it. You're right. I probably should have called timeouts. Well, like, if he even realizes that in the hindsight. But that that it was an eight-point game at the time, and that turns into a huge swing where the Browns can't answer with points, and then the Sealers get the ball at the beginning of the second half. And so that, to me, is when the game swung to the Browns are hanging around. Maybe they're going to cover to this game's over because of Hugh did, Jackson. Because when do they fire Hugh? Well, they're going to fire Todd for sure.
0: Right? I don't think so. See, I think that this is, I don't think we anybody knows for sure. I, I think that this is infighting that's happening. Like Hugh, like if you hear that Todd Haley is the one who's going to get fired, that's Hugh trying to push that message. But if you hear Hughes, like, might get fired, you know, like, I mean. I,
1: did, did Mike Silver report a thing about Todd yeah, Haley?
0: I was going to say. <laughs> well, NFL Network did, was the one that reported that Haley was going to get fired. Which is, I mean, yeah.
3: NFL. Media. There's no, there's no way Haley gets fired because Dorsey hired him or signed off on it, and if Haley goes, that looks bad on Dorsey. Right. If anyone gets fired this year, it's going to be Hugh Jackson. I would bet. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen in season, but if anyone gets hired fired in season, it will be Jackson, and I would bet money on it. This this season is playing out really well for John Dorsey because he's like, look, we're in
0: these games. My guys are in these games. It's just this. Bag of bones over here can't manage to do any- By the way, what was worse about that punt situation? Was it that Ryan Switzer didn't- that the Steelers didn't know they couldn't, like, let the punt drop? That was pretty bad. Or was it worse that the Browns all dove on it and
3: didn't advance it?
0: You can't
1: advance it, by the way, so. I thought, you, I thought you could. No, you,
3: you can. No,
1: no you, you cannot. It's,
3: it's like a kickoff. You can't advance. It's like a- Thank you, John. It's like an onside kick. You can't advance the same thing. It's all the kickoff rules are the same. Are you dummy sh-
1: one and dummy two trying to call the Browns. Are you, you got sure? punk.
3: Are you sure about that?
1: No, of course not. But Bre- Breach is sure, so I I trust Breach. Uh, uh, Bre- Breach, I mean, is like seven, Breach is like seven Breach
3: is like seventy five percent sure. He's not
0: yeah, that well, right. unless the first
3: one. If 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 Switzer touched it, if Switzer touched it, he did not. then then the Browns could return it for a touchdown. But if it's just in the air and nobody's touched it, you can't advance it.
1: But the thing is the Browns didn't know that, and the fact that they didn't try to pick it up and run is to your point, Brinson, that it's the most Browns thing ever.
0: Right. I mean, like, I don't think that the Browns were like, like, oh, of course we can't advance this. Like, yeah, but Hugh Jackson's like on the sideline with like his his arms crossed. He's like open, like slack jawed. Um,
3: Excuse me. But Um, real quick on that. Could you imagine a Bell Belichick coach team being out there not knowing the rules? Like, no, that would never happen. And if it did, he would cut you before the game was over. And Wilson, your boy Tomlin, he's sending out dudes out for a free kick who don't know the rules.
1: Here's the thing, Ryan Switzer, I don't think he returned kicks in college. He didn't start doing it until he showed up. So that, yeah, I, yeah, it's infuriating. I don't know what you want me to me tell you, John. It doesn't make me happy. In fact, it makes me very sad. I will say this, by the way, credit, I, I think Greg Williams is a goober, but credit to that Browns defense for just getting turnover after turnover every week. And their turnover differential is probably, I think it's like plus 11 or 12 right now. And that team is two, five and one. That should tell you how terrible that offense is.
0: Uh, I'm desperately trying to find the the kick. You busted. We need our rulebook. We
2: need Brinson. I'm just i just on Twitter. We need the, the rulebook tweet. in front of us. I've got yeah. the rulebook
3: here. I just can't find the. It's too thick. It's too meaty. One seventy three a clause two paragraph three. It's a special teams rule. I've got them all memorized. That's not. That's not <laughs> right. uh, anyway, uh, that's, a, that's a joke. I don't know where it is. Two of us are going to look stupid later <laughs> of the rules, I and mean,
0: it's going to be you two. Um, finally, we'll get to this. We'll get out of here. Washington Redskins took care of business in New York against the terrible Giants. My beloved Redskins. I picked against them for some stupid reason. Um, uh, and I shouldn't have because it was never close. The Giants scored a, a BS touchdown late, uh, on a, on a pass to Evan Ingram that with like three seconds left to give an onside kick situation. Uh, but they were dominated start to finish. And I wrote about this in sort of the Sunday pile. If you look, the Redskins are, like you can't figure out how they're winning. Like, you, like, just on the surface, you can't really figure it out. It's their defensive line. Their defensive line is awesome. Like, Jerome Payne and Jonathan Allen, they've held, um, so they held, uh, uh held Saquon Barkley at 38 rushing yards. They've held every single running back they played this year to, like, under 65 yards. Christian McCaffrey, uh, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, they're locking down all these good running backs on these teams that wanna run and as a result they're just keeping like they're not gonna blow anybody out. They're not gonna be the Chiefs or anything, but their defense is really good. And Adrian Peterson's playing really well and it's just they're winning in like an old school grinded out fashion and they smothered the Giants. This game was never close.
2: Yeah, they entered the game, I think, second in time of possession at thirty two minutes, and today they had it for over thirty uh, 33 minutes so that's kind of seems to be their formula we were making fun at least I was making fun of the Redskins when they signed Adrian Peterson because I was saying what do you got to do with Adrian Peterson you got to line up in the eye and play this old school football that doesn't really work in today's NFL and that seems to be what they're doing and it's kind of working to your point I don't know how sustainable it is like I don't know if anyone you probably buy the Redskins because you picked them before the year um, but they're five and two and you can't really knock that I don't know how sustainable it is I don't know how good they actually are but it's a bad division
1: it's
2: a terrible division The
0: Giants are the worst team in football.
2: The Eagles.
1: Why does Eli Eli Manning week after week come out there to humiliate himself? I don't understand what's in it for him.
0: What are they going to do? Like what? Like money? Did Sean just Sean just did money manzel signs?
1: No, but I mean Eli can go home. He can go home and be with his family and not be subjected to the whoopings he takes every week for reasons that remain a mystery to me. I don't know what he's doing. Why are they
2: having him drop back? Like 40 times a game also. it's crazy. Maybe they're
1: trying to get him killed and just get it over with quickly.
2: <laughs> you just want him to retire
0: midseason? Like, ah, that's it. I'm, I'm out. out.
1: <laughs> yep. Just, yeah. I, he's terrible. They made a huge mistake by bringing him back. They. It's hard to say you make a mistake taking Saquon Barkley, but we just talked about Josh Rosen would, would have been an upgrade on that team. Play. You, you drafted Kyle Oletta in the fourth round. He's not even dressing. Mm-hmm. Draft. I'm out there, see what happens. He's going to struggle like all the other rookie quarterbacks at play, but he's not going to struggle like a thirty-eight-year-old geriatric. that can't throw the ball overhand anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm with am, you.
1: I, am I going fast speed again?
0: <laughs> yeah, fast speed. It's really weird. All right, let's. Yeah, uh, anybody have anything you want to add to Washington, New York, or uh, with Sean? Yes,
1: I have one more thing. No, Sean,
0: did we do introduce a new segment that we forgot to talk about this week? Do we introduce? Well, Brenton, new-
1: isn't
3: this where you brag about the fact that you picked the Redskins to win the NFC East? I feel like you always throw in about ten seconds of your bragging whenever the Redskins win another game while they're already in first place. But see,
0: that's why I'm a genius breach. I didn't need to because Sean mentioned it for me. He's like, nobody thinks this is sustainable. I guess you do because you picked them to win the NFC East. And you see, so I'm not even bragging. I got Sean out here doing my dirty work <laughs> bragging for me. Because um, I
2: have it ready to use it against you. But now, you know, you also picked the Seahawks to do pretty well too. You did pick them to win the NFC West, which is bizarre. And,
3: and I do want to say one thing about the Redskins. They have a really odd schedule coming up. They play the Falcons. The Buccaneers, the Texans, the Cowboys. Those are their next four games, and they're not so good. They're not the Rams, so I could see them losing all four. I could see them winning all four. They don't seem like they're way better than any of those teams. So I think we'll find out how good they are. And you know, if they go three and one in that stretch, was completely plausible. That I think you're going to be feeling pretty good about your pick, Brenton.
0: The uh, they are they are they're two and one on the road, but they they hammered the Cardinals and the Giants. Uh, and got smashed by the Saints. So, I mean, like they're just like the, you know they beat the Cowboys by three, beat the Panthers by six, and the Panthers had the ball late. Um, the Colts took care of them, but you know they they took care of the Packers. I don't. I, 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 they're not going to blow a bunch of teams out. And the reality is, it's going to come down to those two Eagles games. They play the Eagles on December third on Monday night um, in Philly. And then they get the Eagles at home in week 17 on a one o'clock game. Those are the game. Those are probably the two games that are going to decide the division. I don't think Dallas is getting back into this division. Um, you know, we'll see, uh, but to me, it's going to come down to those two Eagles games. And look, the Redskins also have one, two, three, four, five of their, uh, of their nine remaining games on the road. The shot was, was Ryan and John Wright.
1: You were going, you were going double speed. I enjoyed that.
2: I would double speed. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's, what's going on. Maybe you.
1: I don't know what's going on with Skype tonight. It's, it's, they, they must be Giants fans. People, I so.
2: hope it's, um, I hope that's what appears on the podcast though. I'm sure. You got all
3: know. these, uh, Red Sox fans probably Skyping their family at, from the, right, yeah. a drunk Skype's probably blown up right now. They can't handle all this traffic.
0: All right. Well, we blitz. We're, we're running right an hour anyway. So let's get out of here. Always fun to chat with you guys at Sean J. Wagner on Twitter, at John Breach on Twitter, at Ryan Wilson CBS. New Twitter handle guy, you feel new lease on life at the blue Noah. check mark again? Great stuff guys.